0: Turning on the Scriptures to the Psalms, we've been looking at the crucifixion, the resurrection, the post-resurrection, the ascension, the session of the Lord Jesus and His second coming in the last few weeks. This afternoon, the subject is Judgment Day. Judgment Day. There is a judgment. The end of the world. Psalm 96 says in verse 13 that He, the Lord cometh, for He cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with His truth. Psalm 98, the Lord cometh to judge the earth. With righteousness shall He judge the world and the people with equity. And then let's turn back to Psalm 9, our text, Psalm 9. Major theme is the judgment of the Lord. Psalm 9. We're going to pick up with verse 7. The Lord shall endure forever. He hath prepared His throne for judgment. And He shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And they that know Thy name will put their trust in Thee. For Thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek Thee. Sing praises to the Lord which dwelleth in Zion, declare among the people His doings. When He maketh inquisition for blood, He remembereth them. He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. Have mercy upon me, O Lord. Consider my trouble, which I suffer of them that hate me. Thou that liftest me up from the gates of death, that I may show forth all Thy praise in the gates of the daughter of Zion. I will rejoice in Thy salvation." The heathen are sunk down in the pit that they made. In the net which they hid is their own foot taken. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. Hagion. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the heathen be judged in thy sight. Put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. Judgment Day. The Bible teaches that there is a day of judgment the day of the Lord otherwise known. And to aid our memory, I would like to have several um, aspects of this judgment with the same letter. The fact of judgment. He hath prepared His throne for judgment. The future of judgment. That is, there's a coming time There's an anticipation. We're told in verse 7, He has prepared His throne for judgment. The wicked shall be turned into hell. Let the nations be judged. Thirdly, the faces of judgment. You have the face of the Lord. You have the face who is the judge. You have the faces of those that are judged. I think there are two... Separate judgments. We're not exactly clear on the timing, but I believe that the Bible teaches that believers and unbelievers will also have a day of judgment. They that know thy name, verse 10, and the heathen, or the nations, or the wicked, the unrighteous, the unsaved, The fairness of judgment. Verse 8, God will judge in righteousness according to the standard of His Word. In uprightness. It will be straight up. It will be perfect. The fury of judgment. He maketh inquisition for blood. He investigates. Verse 16, the Lord is known by the judgment He does. He executes. The fear of judgment, verse twenty, put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations, the heathen, may know that thou, that they are but ish, mortal men. The finality of judgment, the wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. And finally, the foreboding of judgment, the enemies of God have turned back, verse three. Thou hast already uh, judged right, verse 4. There have been judgments previous to the judgment day. Verse 5, thou hast rebuked the heathen. The lost, the unsaved, are mentioned as enemies two times in Psalm 9. The heathen five times, which is the nations. And the wicked... Known by the wicked three times in the world once. Heathen, wicked, enemy, the world. Verse 7, The Lord shall endure forever versus the temporal destruction by temporal nations mentioned. Verse 15, The heathen are sunk down into the pit. Their feet have been taken in the snare. There have been previous judgments. Verse 16, the Lord is known by the judgment which He executeth. E-T-H that He is doing. The wicked is snared. So in other words, there are previous judgments to the judgment day that are simp- that are forebodings of the final judgment. Judgment day is a truth of the Bible. There is a day in which God is ordained, in which He will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom He hath ordained. And He has showed us who that is by raising Him from the dead. Acts 17, verse 31. Judgment Day. It just is so. We know it in our own consciences that Every one of us shall give account of ourselves to God. Every one will be judged according to his works. From the very beginning to the end of the Bible, there is the mentioning of a judgment day, a day of reckoning. The wicked, uh, the Lord says, the Lord has has, uh, preserved the wicked. For judgment. There's no loose ends. And I'm referring to Proverbs. Very ominous verse. Proverbs chapter 16. The Lord hath made all things for Himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. It's called the day of evil. The day of judgment. The day of the Lord. Proverbs 16.4 says that there are no loose ends. He's even prepared the wicked for the day of evil. There will be no mistakes made. There will be no empty dungeons. There will be no empty mansions. The fact is clear. Joel speaks of the day of the Lord. Revelation, John says, and I saw a great white throne. Isaiah And Paul in Philippians mentioned that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jehovah and that Jesus, He is Jehovah, is Lord of all. Numbers says of the wicked, their foot shall slide in due time. They may be getting away. It seems that justice is delayed for a time justice delayed, as far as man's concerned, is often justice denied. Not everyone has been caught in this life. But justice delayed is not justice denied as far as the Lord is concerned. The fact of judgment. The future of judgment. We're told the Lord cometh to judge the earth. Jesus' second coming is associated with His judgment. The Lord cometh. The earliest prophecy of the judgment day is actually found in the book of Jude made by Enoch. The Lord cometh with ten thousands of His saints, His holy ones, perhaps including His angels as well, to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth they have done good unto the resurrection of life they have done evil to the resurrection of damnation the time is not given us except at the resurrection the words of Jesus and of John the Baptist how shall you escape the damnation of hell the faces of judgment The judge's face. It's the Lord. The Lord cometh. Him that sat upon the great white throne. Jesus is said to be that judge. And the proof is that God raised Him from the dead. So you have the face of the judge and you have the face of the judged. The Bible says that the Lord will judge the world. He will judge the earth. Revelation, it says, every man shall receive according to his works. The world, we're told, is going to be judged. Acts 17. The small and great people we've never known, and yet we'll see people that were great in the earth. Great leaders. Great uh, sports figures. Great in every realm. Great names, but lost, standing before God. God shall bring every work into judgment and every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Remember those words in Ecclesiastes. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Not just the Christian. I can say this indeed to our elected officials. It's your duty to fear God and keep His commandments and promote His law. Again, we're told in Proverbs, the Lord has prepared all things, especially the wicked, for the day of evil. But I believe that the Bible teaches that there will not only be a public judgment, I think that the Bible indicates that I know that believers, we will be judged. But I think that it's more of a private judgment for the believer. The Bible says, for instance, in 2 Corinthians 5, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Receive the things done in our body. We will receive rewards. They will be saved. Remember 1 Corinthians 3. Gold, silver, and precious stones or wood, hay, and stubble. We will be saved if we have Lost if we've not earned rewards yet so as by fire. John warns us as believers, let us lose not what we have wrought, but receive a full reward. The Lord shall judge his people. We're told <coughs> that we believers will be judged according to our works to receive degrees of reward. But the Bible teaches there will be a public judgment of the world to receive degrees of punishment according to their works. And again I saw a great white throne, and him that sat upon it from whose face the heavens and the earth departed away, and there was found no more room, and I saw the great small or the saw the dead small and great stand before God. And everyone was judged according to his works and the books were open. As far as I can tell, it's a private judgment for believers. When we die, that we're going to stand before the Lord. We're going to stand before the Bema Seat of Christ. And at that point, we will be judged. We will be judged according to our works as far as the degrees of rewards. Not judged as far as the punishment of our sins. They're under the blood. Jesus died for all of our sins. But there is a judgment for believers. Some of these things are are mysteries to us as far as the timing and the differentiation between the believer and the unbeliever. But I believe it's true that it's a more private judgment for the Christian and a very public judgment for the lost. Jesus comes with all His Father's angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know, God, know not God and that obey not the voice of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Second Thessalonians 1. The Bible even says, of course, that we shall judge angels and... Is the devil and his angels as well as will be cast into the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. That judgment will be fair. The last thing you and I want if we're lost in our sins is a fair judgment. Fair means just. Exact. The Lord judges unbelief. They shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on them. Jesus said, if you believe not that I am, ye shall die in your sins. It's called the righteous judgment of God in Romans two five. The unsaved are judged according to their sins and according to their works. There is a differentiation. There are different degrees. There are sentences given. Again, justice delayed is not justice denied. People have have uh, protested that some of these nazi guards were arrested in their 90s and brought to court and some complained that the time has expired and it's how could you be so cruel to an old man and yet justice had been had been denied for 60 70 years all oh, that many of them by being caught before they died might have prepared to die because then they would also face the judge of all judges there are no loose ends none will escape none will be judged wrongly there will not be a born again believer in god's dungeon neither will be there will be a lost sinner in god's paradise oh Brother and sister, God will judge in righteousness and uprightness. The sentences will be fair, will be exactly according to a person's sins and the works that accrue from those sins. Oh, let us fear God. Let us take these things seriously. The fact, the future, the faces, the fairness of judgment. Oh, the fury of judgment. The Bible says right now that the wrath of God abideth on them. If only the unbeliever would look above his head and see the sword of God's justice ready to fall upon them. The believer sees it. We ought to see it. Paul said, by the terror of the Lord we persuade men. We know that God is a God to be feared. We know that His threats are not without power without fulfillment and the terror of these words hide us from the wrath or from the face of God and from the wrath of the lamb that's just so so bizarre it's fearful have you ever seen an angry lamb and it says hide us from the from the wrath of the Lamb. That would be scary to me to have a to see a wrathful lamb. It's just unheard of. It's just scary. And yet the Lamb of God who wept over Jerusalem, who who loved sinners, one day is going to be a lamb, that is wrathful. Jesus said Look, this is not something to mosey through life about. He said, run, flee from the wrath to come. Like we would tell someone in a fire, flee, run, escape, or you'll be burned to death. Flee from the wrath to come. This is no light matter. His wrath, we're told in the Pentateuch, shall burn to the lowest hell. Think about the face that the Egyptians saw before God overwhelmed them in the Red Sea. God's face looked through the cloud and they sensed the wrath of God. And they tried to flee from God's wrath and were overcome by His judgment. It would be too late if you die without Jesus. Friend, are you ready to meet God? Are you saved? Has God's wrath fallen upon His Son in your place? Are you believing on the Lord Jesus Christ? Escape from the fury of God's wrath. There will be no smile at the judgment day for those who are lost. What a wonderful thing to have the smile of God. The love of God conquers your soul, the fury of His judgment. Oh, the fear, therefore, of judgment. Hide us, they cried. But there's no place to hide. Lord, Lord! Are they not taking His name in vain? They never believed on the Lord. They're they're taking His name up as if it's a superstitious thing. Lord, Lord, we know You. Whenever a name is repeated in the Bible, the the person that is, is speaking is saying, I, I'm I'm acquainted with you. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Moses, Moses, Abraham, Abraham, Martha, Martha. But here it's Lord, Lord, we know you. We, we you knew us. We were your neighbors. We were disciples. We preached the gospel. We did miracles. Like the thief at the cross. Do you not fear God? We should fear God. We're a heartbeat from hell. We're so close to eternity. How can we be railing upon this righteous man who's our judge? He's our Lord. He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember the words of Jesus In Luke 16, in hell, He lifted up His eyes, being in torment. Torment! They rest not day and night, we're told. In Revelation, they'll wail when they see Him coming. Oh, may we take to heart, believer, our lost neighbor doesn't realize the dangers, the fear of judgment. Let us pray for them. Let us intercede for them before the right hand of God. They know not it's fact. They know not the future that's coming. The faces, the fairness, the fury, the fear. They know not the finality of it. There's no second chance. You're either on the side of the saved or the side of the lost. Jesus says it's everlasting torment, everlasting death in Matthew 25 and 26. Revelation, we're told, are cast into the lake of fire. And the Bible teaches that there are two places of judgment. One that's temporary and one that's permanent. But really, the temporary is permanent because the temporary is cast into the permanent. We're told that right now there's a dungeon called Hades. Literally, no knowledge. It's not that they're asleep. There's no soul sleep. But the wicked in hell don't know things that are happening on the earth. It's like the believer that says in the grave there's no remembrance of thee. He's not saying that he's going to go to sleep. He's saying, now's my opportunity to remember you and to praise you and to make you known. And the wicked, when they perish, they're not aware of what's going on. They're they're lost. They're in darkness. It's final. But the Bible teaches that Hades is a place that has an entrance and an exit, because we're told later that Hades was cast into the lake of fire. We're told that at the day of judgment, that all the wicked will. Be resurrected and stand before God. Hades has an entrance and an exit. And may I say, no one will want to exit Hades. Because they'll know they'll exit only to stand before God. But the Bible teaches that the lake of fire is a dungeon with no exit. It only has an entrance. There's no exit. No exit. You know, you've seen driving on highways. Once in a while, they'll say there's no there's no re entrance onto this highway. There's an exit, but they caution you you can't just jump on the highway like most exits have an entrance immediately right after. But I always avoid those places because I know what's going to happen is if I'm looking for a place to eat that it's going to take me forever to find the entrance back onto the highway. But what a horrible thing to go into a place. Think about being in a fire inside a place and there's no exit. You're inside trapped. As it were, they're trapped in the lake of fire. And the Bible says, the smoke of their torment arose forever and ever. Ever. In First Thessalonians, he said that we don't weep, we don't sorrow as others which have no hope. No hope. No hope. No second chance. Can you imagine? No calendars. No clocks. If there were, they would rip them off the walls. Oh friend, it's... I can't even speak a fraction of the seriousness of Judgment Day. Do we not fear God? Do we not have a heart for souls? Do we not know for sure if we're going to heaven or not? The Bible teaches you can know that you have eternal life. But the Bible also tells people that they can have a sense of damnation. That's an interesting text at the end of Philippians 1. When believers are tenacious in standing for the Gospel while they're being persecuted. It's a very strange statement. It says, to the persecutors, the the tenacity, the courage of believers is to them, the unbeliever, an evident token of perdition. It's as if in their conscience they're saying the reason why they're tenacious to stand against my persecution is because they have a God on their side. They have eternal life. It's eternal life that is giving them courage. It's God who's with them. He's not with me. My persecution of that person is evidence that I am ungodly. That it's it's an evident token that I'm going to be destroyed but to the believer it's a token of our salvation we actually say to ourselves at times i'm so surprised that i didn't cave in to that persecution that i didn't give up on christ it's god with me it has to be or else i would have quit too many times i have not i have too many times i've disowned his name too many times i've been like peter and i've denied the lord Too many times I have fled from those who have had a stand for the Lord. But what a comfort it is to have the courage. It's grace. It's grace to have courage and to stand for the name of the Lord. All the finality of judgment. All the finality. You ever, you ever been in a prison or you ever seen a a film of, and they slam the prison door. And the click, the loud click of the door, speaks of its finality. The turning of the key, taking the key out of the lock—it's—it's it's over. They're done. Think of a, a, a prisoner who's been sentenced to life in prison. He's taken to the maximum security prison. He's given, a, he's given a, a garment. He's given his prison clothes, his number. He's—he's. He's, Inmate number so-and-so. And he's escorted by his, his guard after being stripped of everything. And he's escorted into his cell. And Think about being there for the first time, being pushed into that cell and having that guard close it and the loud clunk of the door being closed. Oh, the fear, the finality of it all. Whosoever was not written in the book of life was hurled, is the word. Was it the angel? Is it the angels that will hurl them into the lake of fire? Have you ever been hurled somewhere? Have you ever been picked up and thrown into water? Oh, we say that's fun. But to be picked up after being sentenced. Degrees of punishment and angels casting us into the flames of fire to be no more remembered. Oh friend, it's not annihilation. It's eternal punishment. But the Bible gives people some hope in a sense. There's the foreboding of judgment that I have to mention here. For the Bible tells us in Psalm 9 that it's not just future that's being referred to. Remember, in verse 3, there were times when David's enemies had already been turned back. He's referring to present situations. Verse 4, God has been sitting in His throne already judging right. He's rebuked the heathen. He is sitting. He's enduring forever. Verse 7, so He'll be there at the end as He's prepared His throne for judgment. Already some heathen, verse 15, have sunk down into the pit that they made. In other words, God has given prior judgments as a foreboding of the future judgment. Think about the antediluvians, pre-flood people. The worldwide flood of Noah was, was a picture of the final judgment where they were taken away in judgment. Think of Dathan and Abiram as the earth opened up and, and swallowed them up and says, alive into Sheol. That's the Old Testament word for Hades. Sheol. But it also covers the grave and it covers hell, it covers death. Think of when the Lord caused Lot's wife to be turned into a pillar of salt. These are all forebodings of God's judgment. The Bible tells us that Jude went to his own place. The real place. This, we're dealing with a judgment. We're, to, we're told in Acts 1, that, again, that Judas went to his own place. But in Jude, we're told that the lost who, who suffered fire and brimstone upon them in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, are suffering. It's present tense. In other words, it's the first installment of the vengeance of God. It's a foreboding of the judgment day. Even consciences that accuse people are a foreboding of the judgment day, Romans 2. As the Gospel is preached, all the world becomes guilty toward God. What does it mean to be guilty? To sense that there's going to be judgment. Judgment. God is known by the judgments which He's already executed upon the Egyptians, upon the Canaanites, the 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. Hades is a place of temporary (coughs) imprisonment. Oh, open... A portal to Hades. The Lord gave us an open portal. Abraham, send Lazarus to dip his finger in water and touch my tongue. Isaiah 14 gives us a little opening of a portal as a dignitary descends into hell. Those that are there already are saying, you... You have come here, you who led us here are also in this place. The pointing of the finger toward the ones responsible, like the older brother, like the the, the rich young the rich man in Luke 16. Why was he why was he concerned about his five brothers? Because he loved them, because because he, he was evangelizing them, he had a he had a gospel concern. You say, well, he had a, an earthly love. He didn't want his brothers to go to hell. I, I might concede that. But I think the main reason was he didn't want them to descend and say, you, the older brother, let us here. We followed you. And may I say that older siblings are responsible, but we're responsible for one another. The Bible says we are a brother's keeper. Oh, the foreboding of hell. We sense it. God has given prior judgments. Judgment Day is biblical. We've got to have a Judgment Day mentality like the old Puritans used to say. Let us not live another day without thinking about Judgment Day. Judgment Day. The Lord cometh. So let us live for the Lord. Let us have short accounts with our sins. Let us confess our sins daily. Let us be obedient to God. Let not the world uh, profane God's name by our unholy living. That's what was said of David. You have caused the enemies of God to blaspheme by your unholy life. What does he mean? They profane what kind of God is yours. He allows adultery. He allows murder. They blasphemed God. They profaned His name. They took it in vain because of David's life. May no one ever be able to profane our God's name because of our unholiness. May we be holy as God is holy. Judgment day. Judgment is coming. All will be there. Each one receiving justly as due. Hide in the soul cleansing blood of the Lamb and I will pass will pass over you.